the two most disliked things in the world at the moment are data centers and nuclear. And we that know think that together they're amazing. And they're they are trouble. amazing. <laughs> All right. Welcome to another edition of Not Your Father's Data Center. I am Raymond Hawkins, the Chief Revenue Officer here at Compass. Today, joining you from our Dallas headquarters, and we are joined by the founder of Data Center Dynamics, our friend of the program, George Rocket, who is calling in from London, England. George, how you doing, bud? Yeah, I'm really, really good. I'm really happy to be on uh, on this uh, on this podcast today. I'm usually on the other side, Raymond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're usually getting <laughs> to drive and ask all the questions today. You're going to have to do all the talking. Let, let's talk about a few things. Let's talk about you a little bit. Uh, let's talk about data center dynamics, which is how I think most of us know who you are. And if I remember right, I'm, I, do, I do my homework. You founded the magazine when you were 14. 14 or oh, how old were you? Close. Thanks close, close. Lot. Okay, yeah, yeah. Thanks yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right, good, good. It was in the 90s though, right? 98 or 96, 98. What 98, yeah, yeah, yeah. 98. I was still yeah. in short trousers. Yeah, yeah, I was. That's yeah, good. Okay, good. Still in school. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and, and then you're kicking around this new idea that we'll talk about after we get a little bit about you and a little bit about data center dynamics. I want to make sure I say it right. Is it Yota? No, we've been talking about this. No, apparently it's a short O. It's Yota. Yota. Okay, yada. I, I say in an English way, but anyway, you can say yada as well. I mean, everybody's saying it different, but we know what it means. I got hope. it. All right, yada. All right. Well, I'm from deep South Georgia, so folks have a hard time understanding me anyway. Um, so just whatever you call it, we'll go with that. All right. So uh, data center dynamics. It's the late '90s. Um, the internet is barely a thing, and you decide, hey, we better talk about these things, and you start up a magazine. Uh, that's where we're going. But before we get to there, tell us about you. How'd you get in the publishing business? How'd you get in the data center business? Uh, is London home? All that stuff. Let's learn a little about you, George. So let's start with me. So London is home. I think for a lot of my life, London wasn't meant to be my home. I was meant to live somewhere else. But I ended up just traveling the world and living here. So for a good many years, when we started like working you know, with DCD and doing events all the way around the world, I spent whew, three quarters of the year abroad. So it's kind of like I've lived abroad, but I've never really lived abroad. And I've actually lived here within the same, within the same mile now since 1995. Whoa. Oh my goodness. There you go. <laughs> you figuring your way around now? Yeah, just about. Just about. Well, yeah, I can get good. to the airport. I tell you that I can get to the airport <laughs> <laughs> and back again. Good, good. And, right. and I've been here. I've been here so long. They found different ways of getting to the airport. Large bits of infrastructure have been built. Billions have been spent in getting me to the airport in different ways. It's amazing. I appreciate the, uh, your government making sure you could get there expeditiously. Yeah. So you asked how I got into publishing. That's really. I think that's how I got into data centers but I was a humble advertising salesperson for many, many years when I left university. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And uh, I, I did an, an arts degree. I did history and modern languages. So nothing technical. I had a business partner at the time, and well, for many years, a guy called Dan Scarborough. And we thought if we can sell advertising space, we can sell anything. And this opportunity came up to sell what at the time was colo space. And we thought this is like a magazine. It's blank. There's, it, it, I mean, you, you just get somebody to think about what they want to put in there. And you know what? It was so tough. Nobody even knew what this was. It wasn't a thing yet. You know, we were talking about uh, disaster recovery centers and, uh, and exchanges uh, doing minutes exchange. And it was just the early days. 
it was not the same as selling the inside back cover. It, it was, was not the different. same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was different. Yeah. <laughs> but we saw an opportunity right at that time that this was going to be big. And we published the magazine. And that was in 1998, the first magazine. That led to many magazines around co-location. And then the dot-com bubble burst. And it was like, well, where's this colo going? And it was that moment of realization that actually the enterprise data center had been around forever. And it was evolving at the same pace. And if you remember at that time, everything was about banks, right? Banking data centers and things like that. And, and as the internet grew and services grew and being online grew, they needed to grow and they were the first big users. And at that time we changed colo network into uh, zero downtime. It was like, what's the end goal, zero downtime? And out of zero downtime was born the idea of doing events called data center dynamics. And 23 years into doing events, uh, uh, um, we come up to the modern day. That's kind of like been my career. Holy huh. cow. <laughs> so uh, you talk about, uh, I liked you made a comment and you said the enterprise data center had always been around. I joke with people, especially my children. I say, guys, you know, um, when I first started working in technology, we had posters in the office and that said, someday there'll be a computer on every desk. That's how early I got in the technology business. We were telling, we were walking in and telling people to buy computers for the first time. And they're like, what, what? Well, I don't need a computer. I can do it all right here in my ledger. Why would I do a computer? Right. And to your point, back when we used to call it DP, right? He works in data processing, right? And it was in a room somewhere and you handed a stack of, green bar through a wooden slot in the wall. And, uh, and, and so we've always had an, and I say always for my adult and professional life, there's always been a data center, but not thought about the way. And, and you alluded to that, that there'd been an, you're showing DT. your age, Raymond. You're That's showing right. your age. A, I'm definitely showing my age. I said green bar, I'm going to get emails about what's a green bar report. They're going to be like, what did you say? <laughs> Now, Wooden if you're slots. listening to this and not seeing this, maybe Raymond's dyeing his hair. Because <laughs> I have been accused of, of that. Yes, I have been accused. Yeah, wooden slots. And, and of course, I remember, uh, we're going way back, I remember sending a, a box of cards that you programmed. That, that's how you did your program. Hey, I've written my program here. Run this cards through the machine. Um, so, yeah, we've had, we've had data processing for a long time. But uh, yeah, that, that's awesome that in the early, late 90s, you're going, wait a minute, this, thing's, this thing might catch on. If you think back to that time, it might catch on. And I remember, you know, we were selling large, big double page spread ads to Exodus. And it's at that oh, time yeah. that you start getting, in a way, the motherships of the yeah. business that we see today. Yeah. You know, the people that came out with it. And it was, you know, in a way, it was a total flop, right? But it was amazing. It kind of like bore the salespeople, the engineers, the network yes. people in this kind of like new world. So yeah, it was an it interesting sort of laid the time. foundation. Yeah. 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 Global crossing. You bring up Exodus. I think a global crossing. I think of some of yeah. those early guys that were doing things that said, hey, we got to change this. And even though their business model didn't work, it's clearly the foundation for what all of us are, are working on today. And we still call the data centers by their names, right? So if you're in London yeah. and you're down down in Canary Wharf, you go, oh, there's a global crossing data center. That's right. right. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. That's right. Oh, that was an Exodus building. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Funny. Funny. Have you, I'm sorry, I'm going to take us on a, on a book tour briefly since you said your degrees in history. Um, have you read Tubes, the book that's about the beginning of the data center business? 
I think I read half of it a long, long time ago when it first came out. Yeah, it was probably. And I'm saying that probably... because I'm really bad at completing books. Yeah, okay, yeah. so I'm just saying that. It's fair. I want to say it's, the book's probably about 10 years old, but but you talk about those early days. It, yeah. it, the book tells a bit of the story of how did we get to the data center business that everyone that, that listens to our podcast is is a part of today. So so yeah. let's so, so so 23 years before we before we get into um, me mispronouncing Yada again, let's do a little bit more on DCD. 23 years of doing um, events around the world. Give me highs, lows, two or three Whoa. lessons learned. I mean, Whoa. you've gotten to see some stuff in a quarter century of of doing events around data processing all the way through to data centers today and cloud computing and AI now. A thousand lessons learned. Uh, um, some I wish I didn't have to learn because they're about business, right? And uh, being young and being in business. There was a time when we were doing 60 events around the world and we had teams speaking in Russian. We had China teams. We were. It was like uh, uh, you know, we had this flag to plant saying data center in countries of the world and people would wait for us to come. It was, you know, they didn't even consider themselves a data center market and we would go there. And, you know, I remember the early heady days with your own CEO, um, uh, Chris Crosby, and we'd be flying everywhere. This was so new. And we evolved with the market and, and we started doing training. Uh, we, we were always a media player. Events changed. And we've always kind of like been listening to the market and catering to what the market needs at the same time as trying to manage being a business, right? Manage being profitable. And there's been some really difficult times, but we've always believed, or I've always believed in data centers. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Wherever, wherever I go with people that I've known for a long time, we pinch ourselves. We go, is this still a thing? And then we get into the conversation. No, it's more than a thing. We're just at the beginning of a thing. Yes. Right? Yes. It's mind yes. blowing. Yeah. It, it, it is. I think George, I think, I think you raise a great point and a lot of our listeners, I think, feel this too, right? There's this talk about um, sometimes, hey, wh 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 where are we in the life cycle of this business? And we're still in a baseball now. We're still in the early innings. We're still in the first or second inning of what this is going to be, of, of what truly building a global digital infrastructure that supports the way the world works is still in the early stages. You know, I, I, you, 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 as we started going down the, the Yata angle. We talked a little bit about airports, but I think about things that are infrastructure today, railroads, right? We built those 150 years ago, right? And, and all of digital history is only about 60 years old from the very first. So, so, so we're still early in this process and, and, and we're early in converting all of the things that we do and making them digital and I, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up one passion thing and I promise we'll get back to, to Yada. I think that our industry gets jabbed, elbowed in the ribs a bit about how much energy we use. Um, that, that's definitely an issue. And, and one of the things I hope that, that I can help do or, or, or at least talk about and bring some awareness and, and maybe compass is it's not that the data industry is a big user of, of energy, right? Um, every time we do a development, every time one of my competitors, our industry does a the way it gets published is it's going to use 150 megawatts and that could power a small village in Scotland for 10 years, right? I mean, that could power 8,500 homes. It always, they try, the, the writers try to relate it back to a household and how long. And, 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 and they're trying to say, wow, this is using up a lot of power because people don't understand what megawatts or gigawatts are. I would just say the data center is not doing that. 
the data center is providing a service to the world that utilizes energy. Now, we want to be good stewards of that energy, and we want to use the energy as efficiently as we can, and we want to source it as, uh, uh, as globally aware as we can, but we're providing a service. We get the power bill. The power bill comes to us because we own the meter, but the, what we're really providing a service to the globe. And, and, and trying to think about, George, having you been in this business long enough, the question is, what's the right way for us as an industry to talk about energy? Oh, and wow. specifically our use of energy. This is a thorny issue. First, people bandy numbers around. We use energy as an industry, but what we use them for are buildings without windows that people can point out. So these buildings can't stand up for themselves. If it was a car manufacturing plant uh, employing 15,000 people, nobody's going to question that. They can see it. They can see people going in and out. It looks like it's part of humanity and part of society, right? And they can get in and drive the cars that come out of the end of the supply chain. Of course. They get it. They get it. There's a physicality and an understanding. There's a human connection. But to data centers, there isn't that. Now, this issue, telecoms doesn't get this. The satellite industry doesn't get this because data centers are part of digital infrastructure. It's just the only part of digital infrastructure that's not abstract. A network's abstract. The cables are under the ground, but it's the, the only visible part of it. So actually, it needs to be looked at in the context of everything. It's kind of like the data center industry takes the butt of everything. It's like, well, it's all your fault. Well, no, it's connected to things. And these servers are bought by other people. And the silicon's made by other people. And that's a bit about you know, why I've st- spun up this new gig alongside DC, DCD called Yotta. Right to try and um, create a much bigger platform around digital infrastructure. So let's talk about it. I, I, I would agree with you, right? The abstract nature, as you describe, of a network, right? The, the, the guy who runs fiber from Dallas to, to IED, no one sees his thing and no one worries about the energy that's getting used to light up that fiber, right? But they see the building on either end and the building got the power bill. And so the building's the guy who's eating up all the energy. And we've got to come up with a way to talk about the industry differently and, and the services that the industry provides, not just the energy that the industry is consuming. And, and I think, I think yeah. you see that and feel that with your Yada conversation. So, so tell us a little bit about what you're that's, doing. That's, that's exactly it, right? I don't think I, I'm many data center events around the world, right? I, I organize them. Tens of thousands of people come to them and we get up, I get up and we say, we're an industry. We're the data center industry. I don't think we are. And I think that's the problem. I think we're part of the digital infrastructure industry. This is like saying we are the uh, airport terminal building industry. No, we're not. We're part of the aviation industry. Uh, uh, an airport terminal is a necessary part of aviation. A runway is as well. Um, an, an airport control tower is as well. And so is the manufacture of engines and the making of sandwiches that we on the airplanes. Part of aviation. What's happened is IT is so young, it is siloed, right? And data center is one part of it. And the data center part of it translates a thing called a megawatt command. And we deal in megawatts. And they're enormous and they're big buildings and they consume lots of energy and it's a megawatt command. And mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, civil engineers, they all get together to build this thing. But left of that megawatt command are all the other silos. I like to call them tribes because I believe it's about how you feel tribally. Of, you know, 
I talk about megawatts. Well, I talk about mega flops. I talk about mega bits. And they've all got their own education way, pathway to get to talking about that. So they create their unique language. But all of them are translating an IT capacity requirement into digital infrastructure. All of them. Whether you're in the cloud tribe and you're sourcing new contracts, whether you're in network, telecoms, telecoms split, the wireless group, you know, whether you're in satellite, you've all got a different language, but your end goal is the same. And within the enterprise, you're competing, right? Now, this is currently, I think, unique to the IT world because I don't think it happened or maybe it did happen in, uh, in aviation, but I'd like to, I'd like to give you this analogy. Imagine an A380 Airbus, the largest Airbus airplane, double-decker one that we know. Imagine that being sent to its first customers and the pilot radioing ahead saying, did you make a longer runway and a larger passenger terminal and a, a more robust uh, a runway for the, for the weight? And the uh, traffic controller going, no, we didn't get the memo. Oh, we can't land the plane. It would be impossible. It didn't. Ha- it could never happen. And and you ask why could it never happen? Well, it could never happen because Airbus took ten years to build the engine. And not Airbus Rolls Royce took ten years to build the Brent engine. They wouldn't have done that development without knowledge of the future. Um, it didn't happen because air runways had to get bigger. It didn't happen because aviation is vertically integrated and as, in, as an industry, it's had a long time. It's had over a hundred years to do this. It didn't really need to get serious until the 60s with the jet engine because the jet engine changed everything. Up until that point, they used propeller engines, right? From the Wright brothers all the way through two world wars where completely different types of, of airplanes were built, they were still the same fundamentally from paper to aluminium to bigger propellers to different engines to different fuel types. But it was just iterative design. Then a jet engine comes along and it all changes. My hypothesis is that we are living the jet engine moment in digital infrastructure. It's been okay for everybody to be siloed. It's been okay. Everybody's got on with it. It's been a lot of trust built up. Uh, we don't need to know what's on the other side of the abstraction layer. Somebody else has got that covered. Everybody over provisions a little bit. We buy an extra bit of network. We buy some more compute. We build a bit more on the data center. We don't use all of it, right? Okay, so all that over-provisioning is there and it's all okay and it works. And I think right now we've got to this point with maybe it doesn't work with what's going to come up with what we're faced with now. So that's why I've developed Yotta alongside DCD because DCD won't stretch to all of those other silos, to all of those other people. Uh, um, so I think we need a new catalyst for a new conversation. And if we said we're just at the beginning right now uh, of, of this industry, this is a catalyst for a conversation that might take the next 10, 20, 30 years, I think, of how you vertically integrate this thing. And, and, and I remember I was speaking with you before, you know, we spoke about, you know, data centers as an asset class, you know, as, as, as an infrastructure asset. Uh, and I think that's so true. I, I got to say, George, this is this is as good an analogy. I always find that uh, the smartest people make hard things sound simple. And 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 your description of the airline industry and your example of the A380 and the jet engine, I think it fits perfectly. And and I, I loved it. You you, you kind of sped through it, so I'm going to back up to it. Nobody <laughs> says I'm in the runway concrete business. No, no one says that. 
No one says I'm in the airport jetway business. I, I just do jetways. I'm sorry. I'm just the jetway guy. Don't talk to me about what goes on either end. I'm just the jetway guy. And, and, and in our industry, that happens, right? I'm just the land guy. I'm just the power guy. I'm just the network guy. I'm just the fiber guy. Oh, I'm just the dark fiber guy, right? And that is, our industry is completely siloed. I like, I like that, that word of, of right? We, we've got all these slices of solutions. And, and so far, we ultimately aggregated and to keep the analogy going, made an airplane that can fly. But we've done it by, by hook or by crook rather than by the vertical integration. And I'd add to your vertical integration phrase, the shared roadmap, right? Because not only are they vertically integrated, but Airbus asked Rolls-Royce to build that engine because they shared with them, hey, here's why I need an engine that does this. Because I'm going to build this plane that looks like this. And then they went and talked to jetway producers and said, hey, I don't need one that goes up 30 feet. I need one that goes up 45 feet or whatever it is, right? And, and, and they started to share a product roadmap and, and integrate that product roadmap with each other, which our industry doesn't do. So tell me how Yada helps. But Raymond, there are people that do this. Hyperscalers haven't become hyperscalers without not talking to each other mm -hmm. within the silos. That's right. It's about systems thinking and they've absorbed these people. It's about polymaths. You know, you must meet these people. They're your clients and they're like, they've got an electrical engineering degree and an electronics degree and they know about all sorts of things, right? There are people that can do this. Um, and there's people that have done this in other industry sectors, which is really interesting about data centers at the moment. We're trying to bring in people that can look at this in a different way as well. So it's not not happening, right? It just has to happen a little bit quicker because I think there's so much opportunity. Yeah. So when I pitch my idea to people at the moment, I, you know, I've built this phenomenal advisory board and I've, I've spent literally the last eight months evangelizing this idea and people go, yeah. <laughs> and they say, they ask that question that you've just asked. Well, what are you going to do, George? Yeah, fix it. Come on, George, fix it. Yeah. <laughs> All I can do is bring people together that are saying, yeah, because when you bring people together that are saying, yeah, great things happen. And yeah. as a conference organizer, an event producer, what you do is you try and create that special source that makes this hamburger's event better that everybody starts talking about. And there the action starts happening. So, you know, in year one for Yotta, this event's going to be in Vegas at the MGM Grand in October. We've actually taken away one of the West Coast DCD events to make room for it so we don't overburden uh, um, the calendars. We've got this amazing conference program. We've pulled in amazing, we've pulled in, you know, on our advisory board, we've got Rene J. James, the uh, founder of uh, Ampere Computing, the ex-president of of Intel, all the way to the other side to the founder and COO of Oclo, that's likely to be one of the first people to put a, a small modular reactor in a data center campus. I hope from what I read, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I, and all of these people together with telecoms people and everybody else that I don't think's been done before, not in the idea of bringing them together to talk about the future. People come together to deal make about what's happening this year, but not to talk about the future. So I'm hoping that will be a catalyst for this conversation. So George, uh, there's two things you said in there that I want to try to grab a, a thread and talk about. As, as I'm listening to you talk about putting them all in the room, everybody that says, yeah, and let's get them in the room and talk about stuff. The first one I thought about from an integration perspective is nuclear, right? Um, I think, 
and I don't want to cause a dust up about energy, but I, I think personally, the answer to what is a green solution that will give us sufficient power to help us continue to provide the digitization that the world is clearly wanting to consume, right? We need more power. Well, how do we do that without doing bad things to the air that we breathe or the water that we drink? I think nuclear is the answer for that. I'm admitting not to be a uh, an electrical scientist or an environmental scientist, but I think when everything gets boils down, we're going to want some of those, right? We're going to want some more nuclear reactors. And the idea of doing that in conjunction with not just the, 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 the SMR through the app provider, but everybody in the middle getting together and going, okay, I get, I'm not going to buy it from um, SRP in Arizona, I'm going to put a reactor. I, I get that one piece of integration, but there's integration opportunity for everything else too, right? And and because energy is a hot button issue, that one seems easy. Put me in the room with the guy who's making SMRs and let's talk about how to do development together. Now I don't have to go to the state's grid and get the power. I don't have to go yeah. to Ireland's grid where they can't have any more power. I'm going to show up with my power generator on a truck, right? And, and we're going to drop it over there. That, that one to me is an easy one to understand, but it's every layer of the business. That's what I hear you saying. But it's not, it's easy, but I mean, I, I joke about this, right? Um, the two most disliked things in the world at the moment are data centers and nuclear. And we that know think that together they're amazing. And they're they are trouble. amazing. <laughs> Convince everyone else, everyone else. But they are incredible. But I mean, joking aside, if you listen to Sam Altman at Davos the other week, you know, he's saying, we cannot grow this world of compute of where we know it can take us without energy solutions. You look at him, he's involved in, well, in, in Oclo, he's a main backer of Oclo. He's also looking at the backer of the nuclear f a fusion company as well. So, you know, it's interesting, you know, of AI and trying to come up with the solution. It looks like data center digital infrastructure is at the mo it's at the nexus of this energy transition that we can have, right? And that's what's really, really exciting. Yeah. So so when Skynet takes over, they're going to be able to point to this recording and hold you, our children, <laughs> responsible for being at, at the point where it all happened. If we could just go back in time and kill Raymond and George's parents so that they wouldn't have gotten nuclear and data centers together, Skynet wouldn't exist. Mm. You see, Do you know what? Luckily, luckily enough, it's bigger than you and me. I, I think Thank it's goodness. real. I think it's yeah. I think it's real. And I imagine behind closed doors, or even more open doors, you saw uh, with Microsoft hiring, you know, ahead of nuclear, and the, you know, this is link. This is open language. Now, if I'd mentioned nuclear five years ago on a DCT stage, three years ago, George, yeah, even three, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, a couple of years ago. Year and a half ago, I started saying, "Who in the room thinks this is a good idea?" And arms, everybody's arms shot up. You know, if somebody's yes. arm wasn't up, people would be looking at them, saying, "What's wrong with you?" And, and from the permitting side and the technology side, this is moving really fast. Yeah, big stuff, interesting stuff. I think what I hear you saying is, Raymond, I found that when I put people uh, that that are in their own silos doing things that are tangentially related to each other, I put them all in the same room. Good things happen. And, mm. and that's what I did with DCD for 25 years. And it's what I'm trying to do with Yada. Absolutely. And it's, but, but it's about language, right? It's finding the language of each of the groups. And sometimes it's got to be turned on its head for the other group to understand. It's like right. uh, a, a data center engineer thumping the book saying, we need to tackle the, the one in PUE completely. Need to be more efficient on the compute side. 
But if you say we need to tackle the one in the PUE to that other room of people, they won't know what you're talking about. Yeah. If yeah. you reframe it and you change it and you put a financial aspect on it, suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, totally. So you've got to find these points of commonality, this language. In a way, yeah. right now, I'd liken it to uh, uh, the Tower of Babel, right? Everybody's yeah, running around and shouting, yeah. right? And they're like, yeah. this is the one God, this is the one thing, right? Uh, and in fact, they're all kind of like saying the same thing, but differently, and none of them understand each other. Right, uh, um, right. And that's right for just doing things better. If we're already doing things well, just normalize, align, get the language uh, together, and we'll do even better. Yeah. You, you said something, and, I, and I'm a, I may steal it if, if you let me. You said that there is um, the aviation industry, right? It's an it's an aviation industry. We don't we don't talk about the guy, and and we can't say I'm in the dark fiber business, and I'm in the lit fiber business, and I'm in the entitlement business, and I'm in the concrete business, and I'm in the rack business, and I'm in the fit out business, and I'm in the server business, and I'm in the data center. No, no, we're in the digital infrastructure industry, and and I think that I think that. Because language matters, right? We're talking about people being able to communicate. If every, what, imagine if everybody said that. Suddenly, just the standing of it would go up. Everybody yeah, would yeah. say, it. you'd go, wow. I talked to so yeah. many people that are part of this a part of this industry. It must be enormous. Well, yes, it is. Actually, the entire modern world relies on this. Amen. It's how you're, right? And so yeah. I think we've just got to talk the game up. But everybody's yeah. been so busy in their own silos. They, I I don't think they've had time. I, I spoke with this lovely guy the other day in uh, Austria. It's another story. He's from a business called Cerebite, putting data on ceramics. A whole other story. But he said, he looked from outside in, he said, it looks like the IT industry is so young, it's not had a chance to think long-term, he said. And it was like, <laughs> yes. it sums it up. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I joked at the beginning about having posters in my office about someday there'll be a computer on every desk. That's one grown man's working life. And, and literally there was no, I'm, I'm going to tell you a funny story. This will, this will fit in your, in your Cerebite question about how young our industry is. So my kids are in their early twenties and um, I make them watch old movies because I enjoy the old <laughs> movies and I want them to have the experience of what good movie making is you know, a seminal work, um, Karate Kid. I mean, let's, let's just, you know, who can forget Ralph Macchio in the, in the, in the eighties, right? I mean, just, it's just world-class movie making. Pat Morita. I mean, just, I could go on, but my children are, are, this is now 15 years ago and we're watching it on a VHS tape and the movie's playing. And if you'll remember, Daniel's mom leaves New Jersey and drives a station wagon across to the West coast because she's going to get a technology job in the computers. And Daniel comes into the restaurant because his mom's working in the restaurant because the technology job isn't scheduled to start yet. And Daniel is saying, Mom, I hate California. You know, I'm getting my butt kicked every day. And I'm let's go back to New Jersey. And his mom sits him down in the restaurant. And she goes, Daniel, we're not going back to New Jersey. I've got great news. They've asked for me to be in the management trainee program here at the restaurant. And Daniel loses his shit. And he's like, mom, we moved out here to go to the computer business. You can work in a restaurant in New Jersey. And she looks at Daniel and she says, Daniel, no one makes any money in computers. Now, why do I tell that silly story? Because it was written by a writer who knew that everybody would just go, yeah, of course, no one makes money in computers. As a part of Americana and as a part of cinema history, I stopped it the first time by my kids rewind that. What did she say? 
because I'm at the time making, you know, a career selling technology and to talk about how young our industry is completely acceptable to write into the script of a movie just 40 years ago that no one makes money in technology. I'd rather be the assistant manager at TGI Fridays than be in the computer business and that that was viewed as normal. That's how young our industry is, George. That's incredible. I mean, as you said that, the karate kid, I was just, you know, wax on, wax off when he meets Mr. Yeah. Miyagi. Everything, that growing up story. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Bullied, overcoming it. And it's kind of completely went over my head that bit that you spoke about. But actually, if you're looking at cinema history and IT history, that would be something that you could write a thesis on, right? Well, that's my point. That's my point is, is, is I'm built a career selling ones and zeros and the compute and the, and the equipment that, that, that work on them. And I was struck, you know, I'm showing the movie because I want my kids to learn wax on, wax off, you know, um, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and, and young love and, you know, standing up for, I, I, and, and I hear that line and I'm just, and, and it's, it's exactly what you said. Your friend telling you your industry is just too young. It is, it is. Our industry's young and it's maturing and it's developing. We don't even know the right way to talk about ourselves. And, and, and I've been talking about, we got to say energy differently. And you've just opened my thought process, George, into a whole, no, no, we got to say we're in the digital infrastructure industry. I'm not in the data center business. I'm in the digital infrastructure business. And, and here are all of my friends who are in it too. Uh, yeah. that, that, that is a great way to think about it. And that's Yotta, Raymond. Yeah. It's yeah. going to try and create a stage that says this is the digital infrastructure industry. And a Yotta Byte is the biggest amount of data that you could ever conceive, the largest yeah. number, a thousand right. zettabytes, and it's about that data. And everybody supports it, everyone. Oh, it wasn't? You just mispronounced Toyota. It has actual meaning. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, I'll say this. I, I love the way you phrased it. I love the ambition in it. I love the passion for it. Um, I used to tell people all the time, you know, hey, you, you, if you struggle with what our industry does, just tell me what you want to quit doing on here. You know, yeah. you want to stop ordering your plane tickets. You you don't want to get a car ride. You don't want to watch a movie. Just tell me what you want to stop doing on here. And and that and that's a cheeky way to say it. I, I love your approach, which is to say, no, no, we our industry is just kind of mature and we've got to learn that that we're, we're an industry providing an answer. We're not 47 silos. Yeah. Absolutely. And you raised your phone there and said, oh, we just want this to work. Over Christmas, I had some building work done. I had a lot of guests over in the house and uh, a trip switch went, right? A breaker switch and the lights went out. None of the kids cared. Their phones were powered up. They're on the phone. It's like, now if that went out, it would be a completely different story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, 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 here. Well, George, uh, it's been great having you. We really, really appreciate it. Um, thank you for spending a few minutes with us. Uh, we look forward to talking again. Uh, I enjoyed it so much. I'm going to have to get details from you on the first yacht I get together because uh, I got to figure now that we got to be there. So we'll, we'll get that offline from you. We definitely want to hear about that. And uh, let's put this one in the can and look forward to talking again and, and recording with you again in the future. Thank you, George. Brilliant. Raymond, thanks a lot for, uh, for the day. I love being interviewed. It's great fun. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs>